Amen. In the cross. It's all about the cross of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Okay. I know your cold is freezing this morning. And, but, you know, if you'll, if you'll get fired up, you know, you'll warm up. Okay. Can I have an amen one more time? That's a whole lot better. You have your Bibles this morning. Turn to the book of Luke. The Gospel of Luke, we're going to look at verses 11 through 32 this morning. We want to start a series, be a three-part series this morning on Luke chapter 15. The prodigal, the father, and the proud, we have entitled it. Today, we're going to look at who or what is a prodigal. Now, here in Luke chapter 15, we see this story that has been preached many, many times. And in most cases, the only person that is focused on when this message is preached is that prodigal son. Okay, but, you know, how he was wrong and, you know, not appreciating that all his family had done for him, all his father had given him, how he took what, you know, from his father what he felt was his and how he went away and he squandered it all. However, let's not forget there's two other men in this story also. We have the father and we have this this other son, this older son. So over the next three weeks, we're going to take a look at all three of these men and see what it is we can learn from each one because each one has a lesson for us. Now, when we talk about prodigal, what do we mean? Okay, the term prodigal simply means this. The definition of a prodigal is one who is recklessly wasteful. Say that three times real quick. One who is recklessly wasteful. That is the definition of what a prodigal is. So what we will see in this lesson with this definition, let's keep this definition in mind here, you know, that there are many prodigals out there who do not even realize they have moved away from God and no longer serving Him. Just like this man moved away from his father and was no longer serving his father, I want to assure you that in our churches today, there are many prodigals who have moved away from God, even though they may be going to church. But they have moved away from God and they're being recklessly wasteful with everything that God has given to them. So let's talk about this this morning. First of all, we need to understand that what causes reckless wastefulness, you know, is selfishness within a person. And I want to assure you this morning that selfishness will always lead to destruction. If you are a selfish person, a person who is always thinking of yourself and no one else, listen, you are headed for destruction within your life. You will hit bottom one day. Now, let's look at verse 12. The younger brother, in other words, this man, as the story goes, has these two sons. And we see in verse 12 that the younger said to his father... Give me, now I want you to look at those two words, give me. Them two words alone lets us know that this was a selfish guy. These two words alone lets us know that it was all about him. He comes to his father and he says, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he, the father, divided them among his two sons. Now, as we look at the words of this young man, again, give me. 
We can see a person who has a selfish heart. We see a young man who wanted what he felt, what he felt was his with no concern of anyone else. If his dad divided it now, how's he going to keep the farm going, you know? In other words, what will be left for the dad? But this guy could care less. All he wanted was what he felt that he was entitled to from his dad. We see a young man who, who, who wanted what he felt was his with no concern of anybody else. We see a young man with an entitlement mentality. And I want to assure you, in our nation today, there are many people with an entitlement mentality. That's why there's so many people on welfare. That's why there's so many people receiving food stamps, because they have this entitlement uh, mentality. It's all about me. This is owed to me, just like this prodigal. You owe me. Look here. We see a young man with this entitlement. He felt he was entitled to all that his father had worked for his entire life. I want my share of your estate and I want it now before you die. You see, one with a selfish spirit will always think of themselves. Don't miss this. One with a selfish spirit will always think of themselves with no regard for anyone else. Why? It's all about me. It's all about me. You show me a person with a, 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 an attitude like that, and I'll show you a selfish person. You show me a person that it's all about them, and I'll show you a person with a selfish spirit about them, a person who thinks they're entitled to what others have worked their entire life for. And again, we can look at our nation today and see these people with entitlement mentality. They don't want to lift a, a finger to do a work, but they want to take what we have worked all our life for and think they're entitled to a part of it. How sad that we are living in a, in a day and at a time that such a large population has this entitlement mentality to where... They don't hit a lick at a snake, but they think they're entitled. I mean, look at the Social Security system. What do you think it's all about? Why do you think they're about out of money? Because of people who feel they are, they hadn't worked a day in their life, okay? But yet they feel they're entitled to what somebody who has worked their entire life for, and they think they deserve a part of it. Folks, we got a lot of prodigals in this nation today. And the sad thing is, as you're going to see before this lesson is over, we got a lot of prodigals within our churches today also. One with a selfish spirit will always demand, and I'll put it in parentheses because I want, you to, I want to make a statement here, what they feel is his or her rights. It's not his or her rights, but they feel it. So what they do is they say, well, you know, I, I'm entitled to this. I want this. It's, I deserve this. Folks, again, a selfish mentality. But the sad thing is, they really have no rights at all. They really have no... This young man felt he had a right to all that belonged to his father, yet in reality, he had no rights at all. I mean, where does it say that we have to, you know, work all our life and then give it all to our kids? Okay? Uh, when I retired from the Houston Fire Department back in 07, you know, they, they hold, I guess they still do. I don't know. That's been a long time ago. That makes me feel like an old man. I've been retired since 07. But anyway, 
We, they, they give these uh, seminars, those who are seeking to retire, giving them advice on how to invest their money in things like this. And, and I thought this was funny, but hey, it's true, I think. You know, this guy that was teaching, he said, look, the best thing that you can do, the best thing that you can do is spend every dime you have before you die. And then the day before you die, write a hot check for your funeral. I, I thought it sounded pretty good. I've been practicing that. <laughs> I, I, I told some, uh, some guys one time, they said, what do your kids think about, you know, all these kids that you have adopted? Uh, well, Debbie's in the nursery. I don't know how many we've adopted, five, six. I don't have no idea. I lost count, you know. But uh, anyway, they said, what does your biological kids think of, you know, you adopting them? Now they're going to have to split all of your inheritance, you know, with them also. I said, look, you don't understand. The only thing they're going to have to split up is my debt, <laughs> you know. And, if, of course, if you've got nine or ten, that's less for every one of them. But where did we get this idea that we have to work all our life, okay, and then our kids think they're entitled to what we work for? I know that don't go along with popular opinion, but that's what was happening in this story. It creates a selfish spirit within them, okay? And it gives to them an entitlement mentality. I'm entitled to sit home and not do a thing, but yet get what you got. God help us. And again, that has went through all society now. Listen, selfishness and demanding of rights will always lead to a prodigal life. And what I have seen in those who fall into this prodigal life is that they always think the grass is greener on the other side. But can I tell you something? The grass is not always greener on the other side. This young man thought, I'm going to get everything that I'm entitled to, and the grass is greener out there. I'm going out there. I'm tired of working on this farm. I'm tired of, you know, having to work for my father, so I'm going to get everything I'm entitled to, and I'm going to cross the fence. The grass is greener on the other side. Look in verse 13 and 14. In not many days, now this is after he got what he wanted, what he felt he was entitled to. And not many days after the young son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, boy, it didn't last, did it? When he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land and he began to be in want. You see, this young man who thought the grass was greener on the other side and, 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 and what, what he felt was due him, he felt, if I just get what, I, I, what is due me, if I just get what I'm entitled to, the grass is greener over there. Boy, I am really going to thrive. All my problems will be over. But what he didn't know was that his problems was just beginning. You see, here's the thing about those who think the grass is greener on the other side. Many who thought the grass was greener on the other side find out when they get there it's only artificial turf. It's not real. It's not real. It is never what you think it to be. You see, this young man assumed that he had all the right 
answers. I know what's best for me. I've got all the right answers. This young man, you know, of whom no one could tell anything because he had all the right answers, or so he thought. He had it all worked out. This is my plan. I've got it all worked out, okay? I've got it all worked out. He had money in his pockets. He had plans in his head, and nothing was going to stand in his way. Now, I want to take a minute to share with you about me. Just give you a short testimony, because I was this guy at one time. Not money. I never had no money. But I had it all worked out in my head. I assumed that I had all the right answers, just like this young man. No one could tell me nothing. I was 17 years old. I knew it all. Mama couldn't tell me nothing. Daddy couldn't tell me nothing. You know, the school could not teach me nothing because I knew it all. I tried going through the 10th grade twice and never could make it past the 10th grade because I knew it all, okay? So as smart as I was, you remember, I'm the smart guy here. I'm the one that knows it all. I talked my dad into letting me go in the military. Now, at 17 years old, he had to sign for me. We had some pretty good arguments, but he knew that I was a prodigal. And he felt the only way to straighten me up, the only way to teach me discipline was to let me go into service. So he signed it. I went up to the school. Now, you got to understand, I was in the principal's office at least two or three times a week getting swats. Back then, they could hit you with a board. They need to bring that back in now. But I was in the principal's office at least two to three days a week. So I went in and this day, and he didn't know I had done signed up to the military. So I go in his office, and he just shakes his head. He said, again, Gene? And he grabs for his board. I mean, that's just the, if I was in the office, it's because I was going to get licks. I said, no, 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 no. You don't understand, Mr. Lyons. I said, uh, I'm out of here. Of course, you know, I'm prideful. I'm prideful. I'm out of here. Y'all can't teach me nothing. You know, I am going into the military. He looked at me, and I'm not joking. Here's what he did. He got up from behind his desk. He walked up to me, reached out, and shook my hand and said, I'm glad to see you're finally doing something with your life. So you can imagine how I was in high school. <laughs> Remember, let's don't forget, I knew it all, right? Let's don't forget, I had all the right answers, right? It wasn't long till I was in Alameda, California in boot camp. And at 4 o'clock in the morning, they're kicking me out of bed, telling me to get out there on that PE field, and we are doing calisthenics. I've got somebody yelling in my face every day, all day long. I've got, uh, I asked Chad, you know, I, I can't remember what they called them. They didn't call them DIs in the, in the uh, uh, Coast Guard, but Chad reminded me they called them company commanders, the CC. He was always in my face. You know what? It didn't take me long to realize I didn't have all the right answers. Okay? I knew it all. And let me tell you how smart I was. 
I gave up high school to go to Vietnam. Now, ain't I smart? I knew it all. Folks, I was a prodigal and didn't even know it. My dad knew it. He had enough wisdom to know the only thing to straighten this kid out is somebody yelling in his face. And it did. It straightened me out. You see, but that's where this guy was here. This journey this young man was on was, look what it says, his journey. The journey I was on was my journey. It was my journey. That's what he says here. You know, he, he, in verse 13b, he took his journey into a far country. I'll do what I want. I'll do how I want. I'll do when I want. This is my journey. No one's going to tell me what to do. No one's going to tell me when to do it. No one is going to tell me how to do it any longer. However, this selfish attitude is a way of destruction. You know what the psalmist said? That pride goeth before destruction. He was a prideful kid. I was a prideful kid. But pride goes before destruction. Now look, no matter how much we think we have, when we're acting with a selfish spirit, listen to me, the well will run dry. The well will run dry. Herein lies the danger of a selfish spirit. Everything we do is done for me. Okay? It's done for me and me only. You know, this was not a journey that his father approved of. It was not a journey that he sought wisdom from wise counsel to be heading off on. This was his journey, and no one was going to stand in his way. And here's the thing about a selfish spirit. Once the well runs dry, one will stoop to anything. Listen to me. Don't miss this part of it. Once the well runs dry, people will stoop to anything. What, what do I mean by that? Look at verses 15 and 16. Now, his well has gone dry, right? He's done squandered everything he had, right? Okay? And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed the swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husk of the, that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. Here was this young man who thought he had all the right answers, who thought, you know, that he had it all worked out, thought that his riches would last forever. One who once lacked for nothing now found himself with no place to go, no place to lay his head, and nothing to eat. From riches to rags was he. You know, we always think of going from rags to riches. His went just the opposite, from riches to rags in the blink of an eye, in a blink of an eye. Listen, never say never. Never say never. Never say I'll turn, I'll never turn to drugs. Never say I'll never turn to alcohol. Never say I'll never turn to prostitution. No one knows what they'll do until that well runs dry. One never knows how low they will stoop when they find themselves with nothing to eat, when they find themselves with no place to stay, 
when they find their head a place nowhere to even lay their head, nor to even have anyone who's willing to reach out and help them while they're down. He had no one reaching out to say, okay, I'm going to help you out here. No, 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 no. Never say never. Because once you hit rock bottom, once you hit rock bottom, you don't never know where you'll turn. You know what? Sin will take you farther than you ever want to go. Never did he think he would be feeding pigs for a living. Never did he think he would consider eating the slop that the pigs were eating. Never say never. Never say, you know, never because, listen to me, when you hit rock bottom, as a result of riotous living, you will stoop to anything, anything to survive. And here was this young man who once had it all. Let's don't forget, he had it all. He had it all at home. Now looking... (laughs) Can you imagine? He, he's slopping them hogs, okay? It wasn't good corn or, you know, nothing like that. He's he being slop. And as he would throw the slop in the, in the trough with his belly rumbling because he was hungry, he got to the point he was looking at that slop and willing to get down with the hogs in the mud. And eat the slop. Sin will take you farther than you ever want to go. Always remember that. Never say never, because when you hit rock bottom as a result of this righteous living, you know, you'll stoop to anything. You'll stoop to anything. Look, when at the bottom, the only way to look is up. That's where he was. He was willing to lay in the mud with the pigs to eat the slop and as down there the only place he could look is up look at verse 17 and when he had came to himself now that simply means when he really took a good look at himself and realized i'm in the mud willing to eat the slop with the pigs when he came to himself he said how many hired servants of my father's have bread enough to eat and even bread to spare and I perish with hunger. What made him come to this point in his life? Because he is at the rock bottom looking up. Look, it is sad, but for many people with a selfish spirit, the only thing that's going to get them to look up is hitting rock bottom. Now, I will say this. As parents, we don't want to see our kids hit rock bottom we wouldn't like it if we had to watch them hit rock bottom but can i tell you something sometimes that's the best thing that can happen because it's then and only then are they going to look up and come to themselves like it says here the only time they'll come to themselves is when there's no other place to look You see, it takes rock bottom for many to come to themselves. How sad it is that many will not look to God until they're at the bottom of the barrel. For this young Jewish boy, and I don't miss this, for this young Jewish boy 
feeding pigs was bad enough, but considering getting in the mud and eating them food with them was as low as he could go. Low as it. How sad that it takes one eating with the pigs before repenting of their selfishness and confessing their sin before the Father. Look, when at the bottom, a person is going to do one of two things. A person is either going to run to the Father or that person is going to run from the Father. These are two responses when a person hits rock bottom. And like I said, we don't want to see our kids hit rock bottom. We don't want to see our kids, you know, slopping with the hogs. But as I said a while ago, sometimes that's what it takes to get them to look up. And when they look up, they're either going to say, I've got to get back to God. Or they're going to run further away from God. Now, what, what would cause this? You see, and understand this, the choice is theirs as to which one of these two are they going to do. You see, you choose to run to the Father or you choose to run further from him. You choose to remain in the, a pen with the hogs, or you choose to get out of the mud, clean yourself up, and return to the Father. That choice is yours. No one else's. Mama can't make that choice for you. Daddy can't make that choice for you. Your know, husband, wife, whatever can't make that choice for you. That is your choice as to whether you're going to run to the Father or from the Father. Billy Graham once said this, the same son that softens the butter is the same son that hardens the clay. Now what he means by that is when you're on rock bottom, you know, your, your heart is either going to be melted, which causes you to run back to the Father, or your heart is going to be hardened, which will cause you to run away from the Father. The same sun that softens the butter hardens the clay. And the same is true within our life. For some, they allow the bottom to soften their heart and cause them to turn back to the Father. And others run further away from Him. You see, those who choose to run to the Father they realize that the choices they have made was a, result, a direct result of themselves. In other words, they realize that it was a direct result of the bad choices they made and not someone else's fault. For others, the bottom hardens their heart, which causes them to run further from God because what they do is blame God. Isn't it amazing with some people it's always someone else's fault? You see, a selfish person will never take responsibility for their own actions. They never will. Why is that? Because it's all about them. They can't do nothing wrong. They can't do nothing wrong. Look, don't blame God. Let's look at it deep within our side of ourselves. Now, the sixth thing is this. The bottom should bring about humility. Look at verse 18, 19, and 21. The bottom should bring about humility. That's God's desire. You know, if God lets you get that far to hit rock bottom, his desire is that when you get to rock bottom, you'll look to him. Okay? Let's talk about this for a moment. Look at verse 18. I will arise. Now, he's on rock bottom, right? He's wallowing in the mud with the pigs, right? He's looking at that slop and how good it looks, right? 
He's done said, you know, here's this slop, and the, the, the lowest servant in my father's house has got plenty to eat. So the rock bottom brought humility to him. Now look what he says here. I will arise and go to my father, and here's what I'm going to say when I get to my father. Don't miss this. Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. You know what? It takes humility to admit when you're wrong. And he says to himself, I was not only wrong to heaven, I was wrong to my dad. I've done him wrong also. So what, what, what's he going to do? Look at verse 19. He says, because I have done wrong, because I have sinned against heaven and I've sinned against the Father, here's what I'm going to do. I'm no more worthy to be called your son. He said, I'm going to go home and I'm going to ask Dad, just make me as one of your hired servants. Verse 21. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and in no more worthy to be called thy son. The bottom brought about humility. The bottom didn't harden his heart. The bottom caused him to go back to the Father. No longer now. Look at, I mean, look at his words here. He, you know, he says, you know, Father, I'm no more worthy to be your son. Just make me as one of your hired servants. You know, I've sinned against heaven. I've sinned against you. You know, I, I'm no more worthy to be called your son. No longer do we see a selfish spirit with this guy. The selfish spirit is still in the mud with the pigs. The selfish spirit is still at the bottom of the barrel where God allowed him to go. Okay? Now we see a young man who is broken. We see a young man who is humbled and no longer demanding his rights as he did in the beginning. He finally realized, I have no rights. I'm not entitled to what daddy has worked for all his life. I'm not entitled to this big farm and things that we've got. His entitlement mentality, you know where it was? In the mud. In the mud with the pigs. Look at here. The bottom will cause one to see themselves for what they truly are. The bottom will change a selfish spirit into an humble spirit. The bottom will cause one to see that there is no such thing as rights. And the bottom will break us in ways we never thought. We could be broken. At rock bottom, he saw himself as a selfish individual who was constantly demanding his so-called rights and also, here's the key, saw himself as a sinner before heaven and his father. I have sinned against heaven, he said, and sinned before thee. You know what he was saying with that? No one to blame but myself. That's where he had gotten. Was he that away before? No, he wasn't. But now, because of the being in the rock bottom, now because of having to be in the mud, he realized it was only himself to blame. Selfish-spirited individuals, as I said earlier, will always seek to blame others for their wrongdoing. It's always someone else's fault. But now we no longer see a selfish spirit. Now he demanded nothing, rather simply desired the lowest position 
that his father would give him. The bottom of the barrel, listen, it softened this young man's spirit to the point he realized his wrongdoings and he realized his sinful condition. Now, as we stated in the beginning of this lesson, many think in order to be prodigal, they must be out of church, on skid row, passed out in some crack house from a drug overdose, or lying in the gutter somewhere covered in vomit from the alcohol they had drank the night before. They think, well, that's what a prodigal is. But to be a prodigal, let's don't forget the definition, is simply one who is recklessly wasteful. And the thing is, don't miss this, the thing is, One can be a prodigal even if they're sitting in the pew Sunday after Sunday. Sunday after Sunday. To simplify it, we have those within our churches all throughout Angelina County, the state of Texas, throughout the United States. We have people within our churches even this morning who are there week after week, who are prodigal, who are prodigal. They're not involved in ministry. You say, well, how does that make them prodigal? Because they're recklessly wasting the spiritual gift that God has given. That's prodigal. Because you're not exercising spiritual gift. You're recklessly wasting the spiritual gift God has given you. They never share Christ with others, thereby they're recklessly wasting the privilege of sharing the good news of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. They never reach out to those who are in need, thereby they're recklessly wasting opportunities of ministering to others and giving them blessings from God. Look, it's not just those who are out of church or those who have hit rock bottom who are prodigal? Don't miss this last. If you are recklessly wasting your life, being selfish, demanding your so-called rights, not serving God, you are prodigal, and you need to come home before possibly hitting rock bottom yourself, where the only way that's going to be for you to look is up. You see, so many times when this message is preached, it's all about a person who is doing bad things now. They've left the church, you know. They're no longer serving God. They're on drugs. They're in prostitution. They're, you know, alcohol and all this stuff. Listen to me. That is being prodigal. If you're saved, you're leaving the God. But again, in our churches, there's many prodigals because they're waste, uh, recklessly wasting the things that God has given to them, the spiritual gifts, the, 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 the honor of witnessing to someone else, the privilege of being involved in ministry within the church, and they're recklessly wasting all that God has given them and don't even realize they're a prodigal. And you know what? It's not long before they stop coming to church maybe once a month, maybe once every three months or whatever. In other words, it's a progression. 
And the next thing you know, they find themselves completely out of church. Why, why is that? You say, well, how is a selfish spirit involved in that? Well, maybe, just maybe, you're saying to yourself, I have the right to go to church or not go to church, and I choose not to go to church. That's a selfish spirit. God tells us not to, to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together in the manner that some is. God expects his children to be in church. God expects his children to be involved in ministry. God expects his children to serve and to reach out and, and be there for those in need. And when we're not doing that, we're recklessly wasting our life. Thereby being a prodigal. Listen, it'll just slowly take you away from God if we're not serving him the way we should. Look, if you're here today and you don't know Christ as your personal Savior, you can't really be a prodigal because you're not leaving the Father, okay? You need to come to God. You need to come for salvation. You need to ask Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sins. Come into your life. Let you be one of his children. And then begin serving him. Begin living your life for him. But if you're here today and you are a child of his and you say, you know, you got a little bit personal there. Saying that, you know, just because I'm not involved in ministry or just because I'm not in church, you know, all the time, or just because, you know, um, you know, I don't help those in need, that I'm a prodigal, you know, aren't you judging me? I'm not judging no one. I'm just telling you what the Scripture teaches, that any time we wait, uh, recklessly waste what God has given us, the opportunities that God has given us, we, in essence, are prodigal, are prodigal. And we need to get back to God. We need to get back to serving God. Let's pray. Father.